Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 180 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. And we got one more person on the show today. Boz, welcome. How you doing? I am doing great. Thanks for having me, boys. Of course. Would you, uh, would you care to do a, a slight introduction of, of yourself, your fandom, uh, and how you sure. came to, to become one of, one of the sickos who, who watches this, this cruel sport every week? <laughs> <laughs> sure. So my name is Boz. Uh, I'm 22 years old. Um, yeah, so I am a fan of Manchester United. Uh, I'm Ten Hag's Army. Um, don't, don't oof me. Uh, we got a good thing going. <laughs> Very confident in the future of the club. Zach's right uh, there with you in the trenches. My, <laughs> my brother is, yeah. Sure. Well, he's a smart man because Ten Hag's cooking and well, you watch, you watch Breaking Bad, you watch Walter White yeah. cook. Yeah. The man, let the bald man Ten Hag cook. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually, it sounds fucking corny, but I fell in love with this, uh, bad game, beautiful game, uh, by playing the good old FIFA. Yeah. I did FIFA since uh, Ultimate Team since like 2013. Uh, started really watching around there. Um, and then right before COVID, right around COVID, uh, I started watching almost every single game. Then, yeah, took me to here. And now I'm joined by you guys on this beautiful podcast. Yeah, thank you. Well, thanks for joining us, Boz. I think, um, I think that's a lot of people, man. The more and more people I talk to, uh, friends, you know, people that I grew up with, once they start to play FIFA, they start to realize like, oh, you know, this is kind of fun. I wonder what the real product is like. And the two things could not be more <laughs> diametrically opposed coming <laughs> from somebody that's addicted to FIFA. Uh, I think I have sure. almost 3,000 games played this year, which is oh, terrible. Oh, so bad. You should feel bad. A bit disgusting. I didn't, I didn't even bother this year. Yeah, well, good for you. You, you, should, you should both feel terrible for me. It's a truly sickening addiction. Um, but yeah, that, I think that that's a big part of why people are starting to interest themselves, you know, in, in world football, but more specifically the prem, because it's, I think it's a little bit more digestible in like a French, it's not a franchise model, but you can pick a team and just stick with them. It's just like the NFL. It's just like the MLB. It's a little bit harder to get yourself, you know, familiarized with, uh, with La Liga or, or Liga and, like who's rooting for Osasuna or Getafe? Like that—that's you know, that just doesn't. They don't have the the prestige that a lot of these Premier League clubs uh, have or have had. So I think that's you know that's a big thing. Um, we may as well. This is a late recording, but we might as well uh, get into our matches. We've got uh, Bournemouth and Liverpool on the docket uh, first, and this was one that I just don't think any of us saw coming. Bournemouth. One Liverpool nil. The struggles uh, continue after a, a brief resurgence for Liverpool. I thought they were headed back to the top four, but a performance against a Bournemouth side who are just not very good this season and a one nil loss thanks to uh, Philip Billing, who almost sunk Arsenal's ship last week. Boys, what do we think of this one? Boz, you can lead it. Um. Well. Liverpool without Anfield is just uh, non-existent. Yeah. Um, this team just didn't show any fight. Uh, I mean, like, the billing 28th minute says it all. Uh, they have all the talent, uh, dying midfield, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but it's not clicking. It's not clicking. I 
think uh, Klopp has a way of hyping his players up the right occasion, right game, um, besides that Champions League game, uh, home against Liverpool, <laughs> but or home against uh, Real Madrid. But yeah. no, uh, in terms of Bournemouth wise, like uh, stats aren't all that convincing. Five shots, two on target, 30 possession. A very, very traditional bottom of the table English side, you know. Uh, Donovan Solanke, uh, just up top, traditional number nine, Mule. Uh, yeah, just not really much, not a lot going for him. Uh, no. Surprised with this result. And uh, yeah, Liverpool is just struggling to find that top four spot. Yeah. And Matt, I mean, I was really curious to see what, what you had to say or maybe what your father had to say about <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mo Salah and his, uh, his truly oh unfortunate miss left. I mean, that was a, that was a duck hook. It was not good. Yeah, he he sent that one back to his hometown in he Egypt. Did. I mean, it was it was one of those moments where I'm working, I I just hear the penalty thing, and I'm like, oh, they got they got bailed out, and it was like, okay, here you go, Salah, here's your gimme, and yeah. then it was shocking. It was I actually hit like a just my mouth, just like a gaping, just like shocked. I couldn't believe that he missed that, and it was incredible that it happened. I think Milner was in when he took it right yeah like yeah, he was. just came in so i was thinking maybe milner takes it but because he's their routine guy most of the time but yeah it, it was it seems like liverpool had a bit of complacency um after beating united 7-0 so a bit of a reality check if you will and it just shows why this is one of the best leagues in the world you got uh, the bottom place team setting upsets and the just the close proximity from 12 to 20 is only separated by five points and the gap between 18th to 12th is three it's incredible how how one result can swing everything for a team like Bournemouth this year who have struggled incredibly but one win can change anything um, especially for a team like that and when it comes to Liverpool I mean they're just throwing the their chances away of getting back to the top four because um if they have any chance of getting back in there, really, they have to somehow pull off a miracle against Madrid tomorrow oh. uh, to beat them by four at the Bernabeu, which I don't think any of us believe is plausible. But it's going to be a crazy end of the year with only 12, 11, 12, 13 games left for some teams, depending on who it is. But yeah, one that we didn't see coming, but Zach kind of had a hunch he picked a draw he thought something would happen so credit to him there and our record wise last week i should say evan went five and five i went five and five and zach went six and four so that could I, that's be worse the main thing yeah as, if you can go 500 every week that's pretty solid yeah uh you know quickly before we move on to this next one i know that we say this every week but that liverpool midfield is but bod said Bod said maybe aging out I think it's entirely fucking dead. Like it is one of the most dead midfields I've seen in a top six side in a really, really long time. And I mean, like the Arsenal teams with Arteta, who I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna slander as a player, but you know those those midfields were kind of dead outside of attacking midfield players. This is really, really bad. They, I need to hear something, you know, in terms of rumor mill stuff. Um, for incoming midfield players this summer for me to have any faith whatsoever in Liverpool returning to top form. 
because Harvey Elliott and Bashetich are not going to be it. I just can't see it. I think Fabio Carvalho is a player that has a future at Liverpool, but I do not think um, they are going to be able to return to top form unless they sign somebody serious in midfield to be their their general. You know, guys like um, Bonali, um, players of that nature that are playing in Italy, playing in Spain. They need players like that, and I just don't know if they're going to be able to swing them come the summer transfer market. So I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I truly think if they don't completely overhaul their midfield uh, within the next half year, then we could see Liverpool like truly, truly slip uh, back to just the doldrums of the league. When does uh, Klopp's reign end? I, I would imagine... I just don't see it being that much longer. I don't I think he has the right to leave on his own. I think he's done so much for the club that he's earned the respect to leave on his own terms. And for the midfield thing, I think in general, that squad is past its expiration date. Um, they were in their primes three, four years ago. We saw during COVID the, yeah. how rampant they were. And now it's like they're yeah, it was Mickey. starting to form. And Mouse. They need a bit of a, like a lot of a lot of champions that year, I guess. Um, yeah, it seems like they needed fresh blood. You're seeing that with Gakpo and Nunez um, trying to recover now for Firmino, who's leaving, and now Mane, who was has been gone. Um, the midfield is the main thing. I think they have capable capable center backs there and the full backs you trust on their day. But yeah, uh, one or two gaps isn't doing it for them, and. When your old midfield is not up to bog standard, it's really going to kill you. So I think, I think they have enough to still have a chance to finish top four over Spurs and Newcastle. But it's going to take a, a strong run of form, which we've seen them several times this year. They they're capable of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And as for your question, you know about um, about Klopp, he's only I think he's in his so the past few clubs that he's been at, right? I think he's, he joined 2015 or he, 2016 in the winter. He did. He spends nine years on customary at every single club he's been at. It was nine years at, I think it was maybe Mines. I think that's where he was at first in Germany. And then Dortmund. And then Dortmund. And then now Liverpool's his third club. Nine years is what he spends at a club uh, in his first two stints. So that would put him, his expiration, right? Next year. Right about now to next year. Um, and I truly think, Boz, that's a very good question. I, I think that that timer is ticking. I think it's very possible that if he doesn't get sacked, he would move on by himself. And I don't think they would sack him just because the Champions League victory, the the league title, I think they have a lot of respect uh, for him for bringing uh, trophies back to Liverpool Football Club. But I do think uh, his time is, is short. Okay, let sure. us let us move on to Brighton versus Leeds. 2-2 final score. Uh a tremendous goal from Alex McAllister in the 33rd minute. Put Brighton ahead, but just 7 minutes later, Patrick Bamford back from the dead with a lovely strike. Uh an equalizer against the run of play, stretch the pitch, Harrison uh, rushed down the flank and passed it inside to Brent, uh, to Bamford, who then finished calmly. Um, in the 61st minute, Sully Marsh, who we've sung the praises of uh, <clears throat> on this show many, many times, uh, he scored. 
And then we had another equalizer from Jack Harrison. This goal was unbelievable. Uh, Yanto played a quick corner to Harrison, who came short. And then up against the Marsh, he just cut in on his right foot uh, and curled his effort right into the top corner. So a lovely, lovely finish from him. A well-needed point for Leeds United. And a bit of a disappointing run here from Brighton, who couldn't close the game out. Pause. Sure. Um, now, Brighton leads uh, USA and United without mm -hmm. uh, Jesse Mars, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, been a strong team. Um, like, uh, they're the better team out and out. Um, honestly, Brighton should be disappointed they didn't pull through with a win. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, to be honest with you, I didn't get to watch too much of this game. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, your boys pulling you down on this one. Oh, that's all right. Pass it on to you, Matt. What do you got here? I think we're still seeing the struggles of Leeds, even without Marsh. Maybe that was the wrong decision, getting Certainly. rid of him at this period of the year after you let him spend all the money he needed in the winter. He brought in a few more of his players. We've seen McKinney, Ruter, and Wobber be key guys. Even after he's left, they're still playing significant minutes in that team. Um, so it's it's tough bringing in a new manager at this stage of the year to get any sort of momentum going. And they've played six games now without Marsh. They have three defeats, two draws, and a win. Um, obviously some tough tough teams in there, twice against United and, and once Chelsea. But uh, key loss to Everton. And I think picking up a valiant point in this one here against Brighton, who maybe should have won the game at the end of the day. But... Leeds just had that grit, and I think Jack Harrison had a good day here, uh, up and down with a goal and assist, and also an own goal. So, yeah, um, they need to be at home, just like a lot of these other teams at the bottom area. Playing at home is a must for them to do anything um, reasonable. Come the result category end of it, but for Brighton, I mean, when we saw Welbeck come in, he's slowly getting implemented back in the team, but I don't know if he's going to get retracted those minutes now after that miss. Yeah, um, that could have made it three one, and we saw Deserby on the sideline smash the 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 what's it called the pack of of water bottles. <laughs> yeah, the um, Lucasade. <laughs> yeah, the Lucasade. He just spike. He Gronk spiked the bottles. Yeah, oh. uh, I, I see Mourinho do that before he kicked it. But yeah, I mean that guy's passionate. He's up for manager of the year potentially. So for what he's done so far, and they dropped key points here, uh, even with um, after Liverpool dropped points. Uh, Newcastle did win, but and also Fulham lost, so they had an opportunity here to get more separation and close in on that top six even more. So, um, and they're a, re a great team. Matoma, another great game. They're still having issues finding that striker, though. Uh, Ferguson here is only 18. Welbeck, we've seen in the past, Neil Maupe hasn't cut it consistently. Um, and before that, they tried to start, and he wasn't as consistent as they wanted, so. If they can find that number nine, some consistency, uh, and not rely on Matoma and March from the wings as much, maybe they'll get more successful results. But until then, they're going to have these drop points every now and then, which is normal when we think about Brighton. It's not like Man City where we expect them to win every game. Arsenal at this point as well. So yeah, um, good point for Leeds. Brighton, a bit disappointing. Agreed. I have to thank Roberto Deserbi for being an absolute cunt in the locker room. Uh, and, and making Leandro <laughs> Trossard uh, ask away because he has been fucking 
just obscenely good for Arsenal in the six game, five Stop games it. that he's played. Stop it. He's been good. He's been sick. Yes. A trick of assists and goals. Yeah. I see that I think, often. I would, I would say for, on a stance for a manager's sake, uh, being strongly about uh, taking a stance on one of your best players, uh, if he's not on board, don't they'll just leave. Uh, I don't think we see many managers do that. We saw it with most recently Arteta with Aubameyang, and huh? it, we've Another seen that it, it be successful there. Um, I mean, yeah, it's t- it's you don't see that a lot. Managers stepping up and putting their balls on the line and saying, "If you're not in, you're out," and even if you're one of the better players. So uh, it seems like it, it's been mutually successful for, for both parties, as you mentioned well, on the Arsenal end of it. But um, it, it just adds the respect to him and what he does. Yeah, I mean, I can appreciate it. Obviously, I say that in jest. I I think he has done an amazing uh, job with Brighton, you know, taking over the reins midseason from Graham Potter as he decided to leave and go manage a club that's in 10th. Uh, it's, you know, that that's what the Serbia, that's what was on his plate. And he's done, I think, pretty much as, as good as you can do uh, yeah. in an in, in interim role. I really don't, like, I don't know how much better he could do. And he sort of already put some of his his imprints and his molding uh, on this team. So I'm really, really, really interested to see next year what Brighton looks like, uh, especially if they were able to bring in a striker who's even somewhat competent. Um, Because I, as much as I love Welbs, I I think we all love Welbs. Uh, Yeah, sometimes I'm not necessarily sure. United love. He's, He's a bit of a Chelsea killer. Dude, I do have to say with that, though, bringing in a striker, like, uh, Callister's gone after this summer, and yeah. Seto is most likely gone after this summer, unless... No, he signed a new contract. contract. Caicedo actually signed a new contract, believe it or not, and it's yeah, huge. Yeah, but, like, there's no way somebody's going to want to buy that out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, they'd have to pay, like, 90 mil. Oh, uh, and so maybe Chelsea. On that one. Well, I think Chelsea would probably buy it out. I think we're gonna sell them out first. Yeah, maybe. My man um, wants my man wants Reese James money. But go ahead, boss. Continue with the the striker. What do you think? Um. Well, uh, they'll have a lot of uh, money from that transfer for McAllister to yeah really get a solid striker. Um. But that does leave a gaping spot in an attacking midfield role for Brighton. Yeah. So they got Lalana. <laughs> Did you see they extended Lalana as well? Man's class. Yeah, I, it. You're right though, Buzz. I do think like when you lose Alexis McAllister, who maybe last season or even like b- this season before the World Cup was still playing really well, but didn't have the clout. And a lot of the clout came sure. after the World Cup because he was he was good. I mean, he was really really good in a team full of just complete world beater superstars. Um, and then you have like this little white kid with orange hair that. You cannot believe his name is McAllister and he's playing for Argentina, but there he is, uh, and he he played really well. So I do think that's that's one of those players that can really refill the transfer kitty if you're looking to buy a striker. Um, I don't know when we look at Brighton's incoming and and outgoing transfers over the last four years, five years since they've been up. Um, they're not huge spenders. They they typically but they're they're smart with their they're business. very smart. That's the thing. They typically they, lean they have to be to low risk, high upside. Aramatoma guys like that, like those are players that they look to. And I think it's totally possible that Brighton land a striker that we've you know maybe kind of heard about before, uh, and he winds up being a complete world beater in this team. Like 
truly never know uh, with the development and, and scouting that Brighton seem to have at this this point uh, in their their you know club existence. Uh, they they could get somebody that's just absolutely mental, and and we'll never expect it. Okay, good conversation there. Let's uh, let's move on to the next. We had a relatively sorted affair with Everton and Brentford. One nil, the final score. Dwight McNeil with the lone goal in the first minute. Now, some Everton fans um, have been calling him Shite McNeil. Uh, but this guy has performed for them, I think, when you consider how poor Everton have been offensively. Dwight McNeil's been a a bit of a step up this season, and I, I think he's been good. Um, this was <clears throat> stemming from a win back in their own half. Uh, Coleman hooked it up the field. It will be squared it. Ducore got it, and then Ducore um, just, just spotted McNeil to his left, played it to him, and McNeil finished. Uh, a great goal, I thought. Very clinical, cool finish. Uh, truly, uh, it comes down to to winning the ball in the back. This is what Sean Dyche teams do. Uh, played it on the counter. Great composure by by Ducore, uh, and a great finish. And then following that, just a complete lockdown. They did manage six shots on target, even playing you know eight men behind the ball. Uh, but this is one of those rare games where Brentford just could not break through. They couldn't get it going. Tony was there. Uh, they had him Waymo and Damsgaard in as well, uh, and they just could not get it going, no matter how much pace, no matter how much physicality uh, they exerted on this Everton side. They would not crack, and they also did not crack against Arsenal. Everton are decent defensively, especially with Dyche at the helm. So I don't know what you guys th- thought about this game. It was pretty boring. I mean, there was a goal that was varred off, but uh, just a Tough to watch Everton, isn't it? Oh, for sure. I mean, not much going on in this game uh, oh. besides the lone goal. Um, I am, a, I don't want to say fan, but uh, I do like watching Brentford play. Yeah, uh, so do I. Very exciting, raw team in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ivan Tony is smaller, uh, could be considered a top five, top maybe eight striker in the Prem. English. Yeah, easily. Uh, easily. Yeah. Sure, we'll have a pricey heft tag on him down the road. I'm not yeah. sure who's willing to buy him after he's just a I'll degenerate gambler just like us. <laughs> yeah. I'll buy him a fit right in. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, for sure, because you guys will be needing a striker. But um, bring back Lukaku. I don't think anybody would wish that on their worst worst uh, nemesis. <laughs> right, you guys have both had to deal with him. I'm the only one who hasn't had to deal with with Lukaku. Ironically, I have his jersey hanging on my wall right now. Yeah, well, I have two Alabama kits in, in, in mine, so. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but, um, Sean Dyche is uh, holding down the hem pretty, uh, pretty sturdily. I mean, uh, he had a lot of stick getting into this job to begin with. Yeah. Um, but typical Brexit guy, uh, strict football, very, very disciplined. Uh, he has what it takes to maintain. Um, I don't think he's definitely not it for Brad, for Everton moving forward. No. Um, and, you know, I'd love to see Everton compete with Liverpool. Um, would love to see a nice little Liverpool rivalry going on. Uh, but for now, you know, unless Liverpool completely falls off with the next couple of years, uh, we'll have to wait on that. Yeah. Well, I've seen that in my crystal ball, so you don't have to worry about it. Uh, both of the, these teams will be in the mid-table in the next five years. All right. 
So we'll see. We'll see the rivalry come back. Don't worry. Um, yeah. so... <laughs> I was. I mean, since Dice joined, they've been the seven games he's had. He's won three, drawn one, and, and lost three. And uh, at home, they're significantly better than they are away. But I think he is a good manager right now. Maybe, maybe a gap manager, if you will. But yeah, I mean, we've seen him in the past with Burnley teams. They finished mid-table, high, uh, top half at some times. And I think if he gets his right pieces in there, uh, they'll be fine. I think they have enough to stay up. I think that's strong there. Uh, McNeil, since Dice has joined, obviously a Burnley ledge. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the pair there, and Tarkovsky, obviously. So he's been easily a week-in, week-out starter. And since then, he's played a significant role on that left wing, whipping in a lot of key passes. And he's they're probably their best one-on-one guy going down wings. Uh, Greg kind of has to miss like mix and match where... Dice needs him. He played the nine here, which isn't where he normally probably would if DCL's in there. So that's something he'll have to fix long term. But still, I think this is the formula right here. A one nil win at home is perfect for Dice. Uh, they don't need anything after that. The fans will do the rest for him. Pickford, Pickford's perfect in those situations at shit housing uh, when it comes to time wasting as well. So. Uh, Brentford's end of it, yeah, it was weird. This broke a 12-match unbeaten streak in the league, which is the the best at, at that current time. So uh, it's kind of a hiccup in their season. Still, they're in ninth. They have several games in hand on teams around them and definitely could be in the mix for Europa League spot, um, which would be incredible for them in their second season in the league ever. Uh, so, it's yeah, I agree with you guys that uh, they're they're doing well. They're enjoyable to watch. Uh, I put them pretty much in the same category as Brighton. Uh, Fulham starting to fade out of it that now with key players missing time due to suspension and injury. Yeah, uh, and, and Mitrovic not being at full fitness since early in the year. So, um, yeah, Brentford in the right direction, I think. And yeah, Everton are doing just enough to get by, which they're not out of the woods yet. There's so much chaos down there. Yeah, and. Oz, quickly, like to to sort of touch on how you feel about Dice. I I kind of agree with you, like in one way, but in another way. When you look at the team sheet and you look at the three guys they have in the middle of the park, this is Sean Dice's wet fucking dream. Ducore, Idris Gay, and Andre Onana are just some horses. Fucking, they're just bullies, big bullies. bastards. They're bullies. They're tough. They're physical. Perfect for set pieces. And it is. Perfect for the way that Sean Dyche wants to play. Now, when you look at when when Ancelotti was here, right? Which, by the way, it's it's so insane. It, it's so fucking insane to think that Carlos Ancelotti used this as a stepping stone to get back to Madrid and win a Champions League again. It it's nuts. It doesn't feel like it. It's this world, but that was before COVID and the world changed. But um. If Everton want to become a team that scores goals and doesn't have to rely on nicking a goal and then putting eight or nine men behind the ball, then a managerial change is needed. But if they want to continue to scrap it out 
and maybe start the season with a little bit of a, a, a fresher slate, a, a cleaner uh, bill of health, and try and nick a couple of goals, get a couple of early results. Everton could be a mid-table team. It's totally possible. They do need a striker, I think. Damar Gray, uh, DCL, one of my, my past goats. He, he's since gone to pasture. Um, and then Neil Mopai, like that's just not going to do it. But it will be as a good youngish player. Dwight McNeil kind of stinks, but he can do a job, uh, especially for Dyche. And then the guys in the middle of the park, like I think if they held on to Dyche and retain their three players, if Ducore and Onana don't get nicked, I don't think anybody's going to be in for Idrissa Gay. But Onana is young, and Ducore is really, really good. So as long as those guys don't get nicked, they keep Dyche, they try and figure out a striker solution, this Everton team will not be in a relegation scrap next year. Uh, I think you, like, you can totally book that. I'm, I, that's just how I feel. Okay. What's up? What the hell ever happened to Allen? Did they have Allen? Matt, that's a really good question. I don't know what the fuck happened to Allen. Because he was, for a minute, like looked like the best defensive mid in the league. For yeah. like six to eight weeks. One Was it last season? Yeah, it was like, the day, was he only alone from Napoli? Surely has to be injured. I don't know. No, he's know. not even on the depth chart. Alex. Yeah. Let's see where he is. I got to check the Interesting. transfers. It was from not. Oh, wait. He's at. Nah, this can't be right. Uh, he was free transferred to Al Wada FC. Oh, he took oh. the bag. He went to Saudi. <laughs> Al Wada FC in Abu Dhabi. Interesting. Hey, wow. Get, my, get the bag. That's an that's an Not answer. The first Brazilian to do it. What? That's right. Um, Anderson Talisca, I'm looking at you. Uh, it's you know when you ask that question these days, the answer is typically. Uh, he went to China, or he he went to uh, to Saudi Arabia to to play with Penaldo. Uh, all right, let's move on. Leicester City one, Matt's beloved Chelsea three. Come on. Following a thunderous Ben Chilwell side half volley, not sure if it was intentional or what, but it, it was a fantastic goal. He scored in the eleventh. Pats and Daka got loose, took a ball away. Um, from a streaking Felix who was running back towards the Chelsea goal. Not sure what was going on there. Daka stole it, thundered home, top right, tremendous finish. Then Kai Havertz, after being murdered, uh, scored <clears throat> in stoppage time in the first half. Uh, and Mateo Kovacic, on an assist from none other than Mikhailo Mudrik, scored yeah. in the 78th. Chelsea Football Club... I don't. I, I'm hesitant to say it, but they look like they're approaching. Are they back territory? Boz, you got, yeah, you got the honors. All right, you got the honors. Yeah, I don't know if we're there yet. Um, first thing that came to my mind was we're playing the right teams at a perfect time yeah. when it comes to going back to within the last five to six years has been successful for us, and that's playing three in the back. We saw this with a. Antonio Conte went in the league when he was here. We saw this with Tuchel most recently. And now Graham Potter has figured it out, or maybe his team's figured it out, or somebody told him, hey, back three is our money. That's our bread and butter. And uh, we have an overflow of defenders that can play this. So 
why not let it ride? And we brought in Cucurella for this reason to play left center back. And he's played well after a little bit of a time not in the team. This Leicester team was absolutely tragic. Um, the only reason they scored was because Felix had a, a bit of a lapse in judgment and just holding the ball too long and kind of caught us off guard. Kepa not had, didn't have the best of days. But yeah, the first goal was crazy from Koulibaly playing in a, a moonshot and Choa Levali was great. Um, Enzo in the midfield, he's been worth every penny so far. I don't think anybody can come at him for for playing any bit lower than what we paid for him, really. I don't think anybody can take a shot at him there. So him getting an assist and his passing range fits right in for us much better than what Jorginho would have done. Uh, and then, yeah, Mudrik, not get, he kept getting trolled by the Arsenal fans at the <laughs> 007. Saw no, it wasn't. Around. Listen, it wasn't just us. Yeah, in general. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, when you pay 80 million ba- 80 bags for him, however you want to say it, um, and he's just not producing. It just makes sense, and a lot of goes into that. Obviously, having 30-plus senior players in your squad to pick from is terrible, um, and some people question whether Grand Potter even wanted him. Um, so there's a lot that goes into that, but good to see him being involved there. Played 80 solid minutes, did all right. And, yeah, yeah um, getting N'Golo back within the next two weeks, he'll probably come back realistically after the international break so back in april or come april he'll be in there um felix is fitting in well sterling and mount will be back from injury some people thought mount wasn't even injured he's just dealing with that contract and reese james every now and then is going to have tightness of a hamstring every now and then and load management with him is premium hopefully they hit up lebron for some expertise on that since we'd like to outsource some um, staff and yep. get advice so yeah that's my take on Chelsea and if you guys want to dig more in on the Leicester side go ahead yeah what do you think Boz um what do I think uh it's kind of uh nice to see this Chelsea team clicking a little bit yeah. to uh start uh Chelsea's biggest issue right now um I'm sure you could attest to this Matt is uh just finding an identity have world-class yeah. talent in every single part of the pitch um, now it's just uh, up to Grand Potter to, Potter to tie everything together. Yep. Um, there's a little worries with this Chelsea side uh, with uh, either Ben Chilwell or Cucurella. Um, and then obviously on the right with uh, Reese James. Um, they need them to perform. Uh, they piece their whole, not their whole offense, but majority of their offense and build up play through the wingbacks uh, as we see. Yeah, it's built um, around them. Yep. Sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it's... I'm disappointing to see uh, uh, dis- uh, Mudrick uh, not get the 007. Uh, we saw with Sancho, uh, it was so many. Um, but all I got to say is uh, credit to Ben Chilwell. He sat on the bench. He sat on the bench. Ben Chilwell, he sat on the bench, shushing his uh, former squad, Lester. Um, great to see, honestly. Great comeback. Uh, great player in himself. Um, but yeah, uh, I'd love to see a Chelsea team click. It seems like uh, us United fans and uh, Chelsea supporters are uh, ending up on Twitter one by one uh, against all of these Arsenal and City fans. So, um, yeah, we're one in this together. Yeah. Um, what I will say quickly about Leicester is that they were more 
Um, they were more focused on Gary Lineker, who was at the game because he was because he wasn't on uh, BBC's match of the day. Uh, made a comment about immigration, uh, and then the rest of the <clears throat> pundits on BBC, including uh, one of my goats, Ian Wright, uh, decided that that they wouldn't be uh, sitting in for for the session. So, Ian Wright or uh, Gary Lineker was at the game. Obviously, a Leicester legend. That's where he got uh, his start. Everybody, they were just they just kept singing about Gary Lineker instead of singing on their own team. And uh, unfortunately, you know, I, I don't know whether that affected the players or not, but uh, not much going on here for Leicester. I mean, it's just been uh, it's been a rough go of it. This this Vout face guy uh, just fucking sucks so bad. He's so so bad. I cannot believe that he is a Premier League defender, uh, and I cannot believe you know, watching Leicester week in week out. Uh, won won the league in 2015. I know it feels like it wasn't that long ago. Sometimes it feels like it was decades ago. Uh, but this team has just they've gone so far from that. They don't have hardly any talisman players left besides maybe Madison. Uh, it seemed for a minute that maybe it would be Yuri Telemans, but even he uh, is on his way out. I I believe he's coming to North London from what I hear. Uh, from my Ooh. confidential sources, but uh, I'm not quite sure. So, <clears throat> yeah, a really, 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 uh, what's that? No, I was just going to jump back in on oh, your your points there. Yeah, I think similar to when we talked about Liverpool with the squad dying out and maybe new, needing fresh blood, that's something that Leicester's slowly deteriorated over right. the years since that miraculous win, uh, title-winning season. Uh, we're seeing Vardy not even get any minutes whatsoever, really. And the fitness of key players. I mean, when Johnny Evans is fit, they are pretty stable in the back. Yeah. And I mean, we saw him with United for a while, and he was pretty decent during that time where it was kind of in like a meh period for them. He was a pretty decent back for them. And yep. since joining, he's just always had the injury bug. Uh, Sutar's come in and done a reasonable job. Amarty Ar- should never be in that back line. No. Under any circumstances. And yes, yeah, Faz, same deal. It's. It's kind of tough throwing him in the deep end, and we saw in the summer on deadline day they got rid of Schmeichel, who was a massive leadership role or leader uh, figure in that team, and going to Danny Ward, who credit to him as a decent goalie, but Premier League standard, he's shown multiple weaknesses and or weak weak points and just bad decision making. So it's tough. The squad is in a weird period now. They're in a relegation scrap which nobody really thought was coming for them in particular and I don't know if they have the mentality to get out of it really and throughout the season we've thought multiple periods that Raj maybe gets the sack he's been there for four years now but uh, they're hand in hand in there with West Ham who have re- done the both teams have done good jobs the last couple seasons getting mid-table to Europe finishes but now we're we're going to see what what those guys those managers and these players are made out of too dig out of this this dog fight surely okay let's do want to say before we finish i do want to say it's uh great to see the fake bout uh get that red uh, yeah. um, shit defender in my opinion yeah uh there's have been dirty a, multiple ejections in this game for sure for sure yeah Havertz almost died that, yeah i mean just the officiating mariner the past back-to-back days on the weekend i mean he goes from this game not giving any reds. Felix nearly got his foot taken off, almost identical to 
the well more so with the Casimir one we'll get to later but when F- Felix when his red card against Fulham his first game he joined he got a straight red for that and probably a worse tackle here on him doesn't get anything and then obviously the Amarty uh, Spartan kick on Havertz I mean <laughs> that was crazy he only gets a yellow maybe but he didn't even get a yellow um, it, it was unbelievable and then for him to do a 180 in the United game against Southampton on VAR it's, it's incredible how the refereeing in this is so inconsistent we have the technology Nick, the technology to make the right decisions but the still it's man man mistakes even after we thought VAR would solve a lot of these massive um, mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Andre Mariner needs to probably be taken out into the street and killed. Uh, a, a majority of the referees <laughs> in this league at this point, I I think we need to do a call. Uh, we need fresh blood, or or just anybody that isn't even Mark Clattenburg adjacent. I mean, that guy lives in my nightmares. Uh, Andre Mariner is another one. Paul Tierney, I mean, he can go to hell as well. Uh, I just, I think maybe we need some fresh blood uh, because every time a new Premier League referee is appointed, uh, they they just have to go out and have a game where it's about them, you know, more than than anything else. And this Andre Mariner is, uh, you know, he's been a talking point over the entire weekend. I've heard everybody say his name. So yeah, it's tough field to recruit people in. Yeah, because who wants to go out there and be you know, scrutinized for making shit de- shit decisions, right? It's it's literally, yeah, it's tough to go out there and, and put yourself essentially in the line of fire. Um, but maybe you don't make shit calls, and then people won't people won't slander you. Okay, save my opinion for the uh, United review. But let's yeah, continue. yeah, we need to talk about that as well. Let's move on. Uh, Tottenham three, Nottingham Forest one. Uh, a relatively uninspiring performance from the tricky trees. Kane getting the scoring off early in the 19th. A lovely cross from new boy Pedro Poro and a tremendous finish from Harry Kane with his head over Serge Aurier, who I cannot believe still plays. Uh, past Kilor Navas put up Tottenham 1 0 in <clears throat> the 35th. Harry Kane scored a penalty, his bread and butter. And then in the 62nd minute, Sung Hyung Min, a very quiet season for Sonny with a beautiful, incredibly composed goal. Uh, 3-0 there. <clears throat> and then uh, Nottingham Forest got one back from Joe Worrell, an assist from Felipe in the 81st minute. Uh, but it was too late, uh, just absolutely too late, and a really easily... Uh, taking three points for Tottenham Football Club. Sure. Um, I mean, Tottenham, not very, you know, convincing win for their uh, run of form. Um, very nice to see Richarlison uh, get some game time and get some action. Um, he's been dying for some gold contributions all season. Uh, very, very low on that stat. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and also great to see Son come back and uh, get a goal himself. Uh, Harry Kane, a man of the additional number nine, uh, will be uh, interesting where he'll end up uh, next summer. We'll see at Spurs. Um, but Spurs, I mean, I don't think they have a lot of go- lot going for them. Uh, interesting team. Uh, I mean, not that uh, Nottingham Forest was anything special. 
Nottingham Forest is uh, more so a team with individual talent rather than a team. Um, stat line shown uh, share a decent amount of possession um, numbers wise held 44, which is decent on the road against Spurs. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, and force is going to have to make some new signings. Uh, they splurged a large amount of money, uh, larger than any other newly fresh promoted team last summer. So uh, yeah, let's see what they do moving forward. But uh yeah, a lot of room for them to go. Uh, are they on the table? They are 14th. Um, so they're not necessarily in that relegation scrap, but uh, um, not too far behind them either. No, I was laughing when he, he said maybe they need to do new signings. They've signed 30 people since the summer, even more. Uh, um, but yeah, they're definitely in that relegation scrap, just the congestion of points uh, in that area of the table. and. Two main things that came out from this. Uh, Harry Kane listened to last week's episode. I said that if he doesn't bag at least two against uh, Forrest at home, he should hang the boots up. So good job, Harry, there. Um, I think he'll probably stay at Spurs. I think he's too comfortable to leave there. Um, he'll definitely break the Premier League all-time scores record over for Shear, Alan Shear. And then um, congrats to Forrest getting their fourth goal on the road this year. Big, big for them there. They are just horrendous on the road. The, the start they had when Richarlison scored and, and it got barred off for just that smallest of margins, which is tough to see. If we want to if we want to pr- uh, promote the game more, we should allow those to be goals, those little marginal things. Um, and yeah, uh, we saw the Richarlison, the build-up during the week, his comments for Conte and his playing time, just how inconsistent he is. And for Conte to throw him in there and it's like, here you go, mate, have a, have a game. And he did reasonably well. He got that assist on the Sun goals you guys mentioned already. And yeah, it was pretty standard for them. They should be a little disappointed. They get the, didn't get the clean sheet, but picking up points when uh, the team's below you, struggling a bit. The only ones that won were Newcastle, but they already have a two-game or a uh, four-point gap on them. Uh, only thing for Newcastle, they have two games in hand, but... They still hold a strong grip on fourth, and yeah, for Forrest, I think it's really scary for them. They, If they can't do anything on the road, that makes those home matches have even more pressure to earn points, and they have a lot of big games coming up against teams in that area, so those are the games maybe so I'm more looking forward to than maybe the top end, because there's a bit more separation there, there besides the Arsenal City, obviously the title race itself, but yeah, it's going to be great to watch. This is, I think, one of the craziest, potentially one of the craziest ends to a year um, for a lot of teams come the end of the season. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> okay. Let us uh, move on to the next game, or quiet one here. Crystal Palace, nil. Manchester City, one. Who else but Erling Holland finishing a penalty in the 78th minute. No other goals to speak of. Just four shots on target total in this one. All of them going to Manchester City. Um, Quickly, what I will say from watching this game was Crystal Palace did really well to contain City. I mean, I I thought they did an extremely good job in the midfield and defensively. Sambi Lakanga put in a shift. Uh, Good to see him working. But offensively, if if they don't figure it out, I, I don't think Matt's prediction about possible relegation is that far off. They they let City Ooh. off the hook a little bit here. Uh and I just wish that 
sloppy play, the penalty that wasn't given. I think a point is fantastic for Palace in this one, and I, I don't think it was all that unattainable. So I'm a bit disappointed uh, in Palace, maybe partially my, my second team. I, I don't know. Uh, I do root for them, and I do root for Big Pat, but this was uh, was a disappointing one. Yeah, their odds went down to plus 500, just double-checking that. So Oof, I hate to see it. Pause anything, then? Um, oh, for sure. I mean, uh, N-City once again bailed. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. I did, yeah. so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Crystal Palace, off of what Evan said, uh, did a great job containing. I uh, would have loved also to see all happen here. Uh, would have been huge to save uh, the two points Arsenal's way in the title race. Mm-hmm. Um, King of Holland, today, uh, five goals. Crazy. I once said uh, if he gets five touches in one game and scores five goals, he'll be a very happy man. And, uh, he does that job for Man City. Uh, doesn't do a lot in any regards, uh, build up play wise. Just an out and out poacher. Always seems to be in the right spot. I'm very composed, Pen. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's clinical. He'll get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, just quickly before Mac gets in here, Boz mentioned the, the five goals, the five touches. He did score five goals today against Leipzig. Um, and, and word on the street is Pep's, Pep, Pep, <laughs> Pep subbed him out so that he wouldn't break Messi's six goals in a UCL game record. Oof. I thought five was the record. I think so. He I tied think it. it. Oh, he did tied he? it. Yeah, oh, so so he wouldn't break it. the record, so he wouldn't break it. Okay, so still sentiment, uh, sentiment stands. Well, do do we have thoughts on that one? I think that's kind of rude. Mean? I I think I agree, and Messi's my go, but I I think I agree. Do you think if it, if Pep wasn't the if Pep wasn't the manager, you think he would have got it with somebody else like a Mancini or Pellegrini? They would just <sighs> let him play. I don't know. I don't know. Pep is a very calculated fella. You never know truly what his intentions are. Um, but I, I do think another manager leaves him in. I mean, it's not every game that you get a chance for a double hat trick, especially against a team that is good like Leipzig. Um, but I, I wanted to mention that quickly. Yeah, it just it's a record is a record. It's great to have. But I mean, just at the end of the day, you want to win the game. So that's right. Maybe for personal moment, momentums but, or mementos. Uh, I don't think Holland really cares. A goal is a goal for him, and he's just yeah. trying to score. I think that's like almost 40 goals he's scored in this season so far. He's a sick fucker. So, yeah, I think the one record that may never be broken is Messi's um, most goals in a calendar year. He scored 91 mm-hmm. in a single calendar year, which is Crazy. unbelievable. Back in 2012, I think, around that time when I think it was MSN, Messi, Suarez, Neymar, so... Yeah. Um, good times then, but now uh, Erling's the man there, and yeah, they got bailed out like you said, Boz. I mean, a, a, a lapse of judgment from Alisse on a quick short corner, maybe tired legs, just just a misstep takes Gundogan out, and it was just what Man City needed to dig their claws into Palace and Palace, a Palace team with Ducori out with a red card in the previous game, uh, having to play Milhojevic who probably has 10 pace uh, if we talk about FIFA stats. I mean, he's up there with Totti there. He's he's definitely at the door after this year uh, with the signings they brought into Lekonga there, and uh, they brought in another young Frenchman from Ligue 1. So 
they're definitely going younger in that team. Um, they should stay up for this this run of games they've had is really bad. That's ten straight games now without a win, three straight games without scoring a goal. It's it's killing them, and the games obviously don't get any easier for them. Their next three, they well, their next game they play Arsenal, so or or they play Brighton tomorrow, and then Arsenal, so. Two more games that I think we would say they're not going to win. So they, sooner or later, they got to dig out some points. And that ultimately comes from scoring goals. And having Zaha back after that short period he was out is critical. So um, he's obviously on his last few months of his contract as well. So uh, maybe he just has mailed it in and he'll let the club go down and he'll find a new team. Uh, we'll see if he's selfish like that. We know he's good for a few outbursts every now and then, but yeah, it's really sad. I think Vieira deserves to stay up with his team, and it's tough for Evan there, just having that glimpse of even more separation from City. Um, yeah. Five points is great and all, but seven would be even better, and you guys still have to play each other again. Um, and yeah, I think we're, we're it's another another win for City. Yeah, I'm going to be so unbelievably turnt for that game. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, I hope we buy You've never beaten Arteta's never beaten Pep yet, so I know even in games that we outplay them, we don't beat them. Like it doesn't matter how well we play. I think the most recent one was that ninety-something minute winner from Rodri. That was one oh, that you got screwed over. Oh my god, that one was sickening. And I just that was last season, the end of last season. I just watched yeah. it because I'm rewatching. Um, I'm rewatching the documentary, the, the documentary and I was like. Mm, that's nasty, man. That is truly sickening. Uh, well, they were gonna do one with United, but they couldn't do it because Ronaldo blew it up mid-season because he's a pussy. I want to see one with yeah, Chelsea. They do a summer tour in America. I want to see him at a Dodgers game. I want to see them at the Florida Cup, which we all know is the most important piece of silverware that you can own. Wait, um, you guys whomped You guys whomped us. <laughs> yeah, we Arsenal are the current Florida Cup holders, I believe. <laughs> Uh, okay, boss, we're going to hand this one off to you. Manchester United, nil. Southampton, nil. Unlucky, mate. Yeah, you said it best. Manchester United, nil. Southampton, bottom of the league, nil. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, this up quickly. Uh, this game ended in a 34th minute uh, after a bullshit straight red. Yeah, so bad. Um, Anthony Taylor needs to be fed to the dogs in the streets. Uh, no remorse for that guy. Uh, there just seems to be no consistency with uh, any sort of officiating, uh, any sort of league, even Champions League today with Ederson. Uh, get that off. Um, but yeah, Casemiro uh, goes in for the ball, gets the top of the ball, slides right off the ball um, into a leg, which saw him a red card. Um, and I initially had the yellow. AR looked at it, freeze frame, always bad look. You have to watch the game in the full entire form. Uh, you have to watch any sort of replay in live speed. They did not do that. Uh, they just said, United, you know what? Screw you. Um, so, yeah, after that, uh, United had to battle against 10 men. Um, did a great job keeping a complete uh, clean sheet, in my opinion. Um, United had their chances. Southampton had plenty of chances, 17 shots, four on target. Uh, Davy saves came up big with a huge save. A couple of huge saves, to be fair. Um, I hope he doesn't go anywhere anytime soon. He is huge, although his ball distribution is quite shit. 
Um, but yeah, from the United standpoint, um, Bruno Fernandes had a shot on target, I believe, uh, in the yeah, should have been a goal. Bazuna had a blinder there. Bazuna, decent keeper, good save. Um, Kyle Walker. Oh, before I get started on Southampton. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Anthony did tell Casemiro uh, while he's getting set off, I will win this game for you. Proceeded to have zero assists <laughs> and zero goals. He's a fucker, that guy. Yeah, I mean, he's a winch for sure, but... That's uh, amazing. Love our winches. Yeah. Um, but nothing much going on from United. I mean, Rashford's... Uh, everyone believes he has a bit of a knock. Fell off in form slightly. Um, but, uh, yeah, going into Southampton, um, first things first, James Ward-Prowse, uh, that guy needs to be studied in a lab. His yeah, free kicks he, are just way different. too crazy. Different. Disgusting. Next to the top of the post, uh, from the free kick, Casemiro got sent off on. Um, not too much besides that from Southampton's, uh, perspective. Mateo Walcott with a couple, uh, shit chance, or great chances to shit result. Yeah. Um, and, uh. Won't forget about Kyle Walker Peters. Uh, received a bunch of racial abuse online after injuring Garnacho late in the game. Um, Disavow. Bad form. Yeah. Bad form. I mean, no card there. We're not even going to get into that. It's disgusting. It's officiating. Yeah. Um, what I'm going to say quickly before we move on to this next one, because we're running long. Um, I think ta- I think not Tottenham. I think Southampton maybe should just start like working the ball into positions where other players have to foul them at the edge of the box, then just letting Ward Prowse take six free kicks a game because he's going to convert two of them at least. I, I think that's your best. That's, that's your best game plan, honestly. Uh, I know that's like cheesy and nobody would ever do that, but I don't know, man. I don't. I don't think it's a, a bad shout to be honest. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I think quickly. Just uh, I agree to Haya. I still think he's the best goalie. In the league, he's been there yeah. for the past decade or so. I can't, I can't argue that. I love watching him play. He makes great, great moments. Um, Casemiro's red. He's that's his second red after shortly coming back. He only played the Liverpool game uh, prior to that. Had a three game suspension with the the choke in the Palace game, and now this one he is. It's a four match suspend, four game suspension. So. Yeah. Uh, that's that's going to be, and you, you you don't have to count this game as, or you can count this game as well as a missed game. So that's eight games in this season so far that he's missed, um, which could be critical in deciding top four. And obviously, they have the FA Cup this in their next game, I believe, against Fulham. So could cost them some more silverware. And I don't know how you feel about that with how impactful he's been and, and how that changes the structure of the United and how they play really, Boz. Oh, for sure. To keep it brief, um, I mean, he's our whole midfield, uh, and that's coming from a midfield with not a lot of depth. Glazer's out till I die. Um, hopefully, uh, bye or our uh, friends. Bye. Um, or I'm sorry, the the Katarians. Katarians, yeah. bye. <laughs> My apologies. Um, but yeah, we need we need sidings. We need a back ten hag. That's all yeah. I'm gonna say. Uh, one one more thing. A, a more radical take on United. My brother. He's had this stance for a while. He says no real change will happen in the club until United is relegated. What do you think about that? That's insane. <laughs> that is disgusting. Obviously, it's That's never going to happen. Take. United's never finished below seventh, but 
Yeah, maybe no, maybe no. not to that extreme, but I mean, does something serious have to happen before, or is it just as you mentioned? Is it ownership? It's ownership. It, everything stems from ownership. You know, yeah. United with a rich history need they need owners that care about the club. They need owners that care about the future. The Glaciers have no vision. They're there for the dividends. You don't think it's more so on the the manager? Obviously, since Ferguson, ten years now, you guys have had a revolving door every year. So. Um, we can name at least seven guys off the top of our heads now. So do you think maybe now with Ten Hag, you obviously mentioned you're a supporter of him, and um, he's obviously similar to when we were talking about Deserby taking hard stances with players. We've seen him send Sancho away for a bit of time and clear the Ronaldo thing out the door. Um, those type of decisions at the big clubs are what you need to to compete at the highest of a level. So maybe it, would you say it's more, could that be more of a factor, maybe less so on the management or maybe it goes hand in hand? Um, no, Ten Hag or Sir Alex, in my opinion has passed the torch already. Um, as we've seen, uh, Hag and Sir Alex go out to dinner in Manchester, close down shop at restaurants just to have a bite and have a chat. Um, I think, Everybody in the United fan base should be supporting Ten Hag, and if they're not, leave the ship. You're not a fan. You have to back the manager. Yeah, he's he's a lot more reserved. He's very private with his life. He's not obviously not like Mourinho. Um, he's, he hasn't been in the league as long as Moyes when Moyes took over Von Hall. Obviously, he's not a former player like Ali. So he's something they probably needed, and he's brought in players, and they've been successful. Obviously, Martinez has had a great season. He had the whole height issue, and now nobody really talks about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that fucker was going to be sacked by Christmas, to be fair. But but <laughs> yeah. he's he's turned things around. Uh, I do. Boz, I don't, I don't know. Evan, Evan predicted Man United to finish ninth at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I did, and it looked, it looked really... Dude, it looked fucking <laughs> sick for a minute. It looked good. And then Come they on. figured it out. They figured it out. Um, did. With all the Ronaldo stuff and what was going on towards the end of last season, and I, I just didn't, I really didn't see Rashford picking it up as much as he did. Now he obviously he's, I don't know, I'd probably say he's one of, if not the best, uh, like definitely left winger, but winger in general in the league. Like I think he's probably the best. Um, Over soccer. Yeah, over soccer for sure. Wow. I mean, the paint. No, nah, he he is better. He, different players. They are different players, but like Rashford. As a pure winger, maybe, but Rashford can play two positions and play two position positions really, really well. Um, I I love Marcus Rashford. I think he's. I mean, I've sung his praises many, many times on this show. I think he's an amazing player. I think he he's an even better person off the field. Uh, and you really you like to see that kind of stuff, especially out of young players. So sure. um, with United, I mean, you have to really boil it down. Zach and I have had this conversation in the gym before. This all boils down to Casemiro getting in. Uh, you know, Ten Hag brought him in. And obviously, Ten Hag and Rashford had a conversation. And um, it must have changed something or ticked the box in Rashford in his head. And things have been so, so different. Uh, this season for for him and for United as a club. So I, you know, I I don't have as much hate in my heart for United as I have for for Liverpool. Yeah. It always comes yeah. back to them. It does. I think they just live rent free uh, for me. 
Um, okay, let's move on to the next. West Ham, one. Aston Villa, one. Uh, and Ollie Watkins goal in the 17th. And a Saeed Benrama penalty in the 26th with a lone goals in this one. Some early action and a share of the points for the red, yellow, and blue sides. Um, you know, a pretty end-to-end game. I think both of these teams uh, had some, some pretty decent link-up play. 17 shots for West Ham, 12 for Villa. Uh, each team was able to register a fair amount of shots on target, four for the Villains and six uh, for the Irons. Possession split pretty much down the middle. Um, West Ham played a physical game. I think maybe they were a bit lucky uh, to get away with a point from Villa, especially because I think Villa are a very, very good side under Unai Emery. Uh, But I don't think either of these teams at this point in the season will be too upset with taking a point. For sure. Um, both teams will be happy with that point, uh, like you said. Uh, good to see Ollie Watkins on the score sheet. Uh, mm-hmm. Fantasy warrior for me. Um, on the bench, yeah, though. I mean, the starting lineup is always, always a juggle. It's just way... Oh, man. That's a different conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, Ollie Watkins is leading uh, Aston Villa very well uh, at the moment up front. Um Besides that, uh, not too much. I wasn't able to watch too much of this game as well. Um, yeah, Evan, you got anything? No, not really. I mean, Matt, what would you take from this one? Anything specific? Yeah, uh, I'd be really disappointed if I'm West Ham. I mean, you're playing at home, and Villa, the first five minutes, are just playing keep away, and it's like you can't be allowing that at your home field. you got to be pressing them and running the game yourselves, and it just seems like they're a bit dejected. We we talk about Leicester already with not maybe having the dog in them to fight out a relegation scrap. And it seems like West Ham are dragging themselves back into it. We thought maybe a few weeks ago getting that 4-0 win over Forrest maybe would do something for them, but they go and lose 4-0 to Brighton and now draw a Villa, who are a reasonable team this year under Unai, who's done a good job since taking over for Gerrard. Um, and yeah, it's it's weird for West Ham. It's, it's just like everybody else. They can't really find the goals. Coronet's back from injury, who they got from Burnley, started the year, and injects a lot of pace in the team. Ings is doing his thing. He's on his hibernation for a few more games until he'll score again. And Ben Rama is him for this team. He's their number one goal threat for me, personally. And... They tried Suchek in a more advanced position with Paqueta, and it wasn't meant to be here. I think that, that that's something they have to do. They have to commit more bodies forward. They need to be more fluid going forward, and they they kind of let teams dominate them possession-wise, really. Uh, 60 to 40 here in the game going Villa's favor. Uh, Villa really don't have anything to play for this year. Uh, obviously have an outside chance for Europe, but don't have that looming worry of, of being potentially dragged into rele- relegation scrap. Um, so they played really carefree, got their early goal, and kind of had a misfortune on a pen, but which probably shouldn't have been a pen in the first place. But yeah, if I'm Moyes, I'm really sweating this out. Their next Prem game isn't until April, I believe. So this is going to be an extended period of time until they're back on the game day. So two massive weeks for Moyes and... I mean, there's been talks of potentially should they switch him out, and I we talked about three weeks ago Moyes leaving and somebody coming in with 15 games. I don't know if anybody would want this team with 11 left, 
uh, and being tied on goal differential for that last relegation spot. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a good good question. Uh, certainly something that I I just agree with. I don't think anybody really would want to take over at this point. Yes. Um, okay, let's move on to Fulham and Arsenal. Arsenal took a short trip across town to Craven Cottage where they faced a pretty pedestrian Fulham side. As we mentioned earlier, Leandro Trossard, who was scoffed at with a hat-trick of assists. Um, <clears throat> just a, a complete masterclass in the first half by Arsenal. Fulham didn't really seem up to it, we should say. Uh, I don't. I don't necessarily think Arsenal... Uh, play their best game, but they were very, very clinical. Uh, the ball was where it needed to be. The tempo was good, and they just dispatched Fulham very, very early. And this is the kind of thing that I think a, a true Premier League champion side needs to do week in and week out. And we haven't always seen Arsenal do this. This we've been very, very shaky in some of these games against mid-table teams, uh, against. Bottom of the table teams, Everton, Bournemouth, those teams come to mind. Um, but Arsenal showed up on the day. Uh, three wonderful goals um, <clears throat> in this one. The first um, being an in-swinging corner from Trossard. Uh, Gabriel, one of five Gabriels that Arsenal have at this point. Uh, with a header, close range past ex-Arsenal player, Bernd Lino. Uh, that's actually, believe it or not, Gabriel Magohe's third goal in four appearances against Fulham. Then in the 26th, uh, Martinelli scored. Xhaka uh, fed the ball forward to Trossard, who twisted, got it on his left foot, crossed towards Martinelli, and he finished home uh, with a header as well against Anthony Robinson. And then the third goal, uh, Martin Odegaard. Martinelli slid the ball down the side. Uh, Trossard got to the byline, chips across to Odegaard. He chested it down curled nicely into the bottom corner. Really, just a really, really good performance from Arsenal and a really quiet, poor, mediocre performance from Fulham, who just are not the same side when Mitrovic isn't firing on all cylinders. Well, for sure. I mean, you hit that right on the head. Um, I mean, without a, this Fulham team, without Mitrovic uh, firing all cylinders is just... Uh, not a very threatening team. Nope. Um, I mean, in terms of stats, uh, this game wasn't too far uh, one-sided. Um, Arsenal was very clinical, and that's all they needed to be. They took their three goals, and they took their three points. Um, Arsenal, 15 shots compared to Fulham's 12. Uh, seven shots in target for Arsenal, two for Fulham. Um, split possession, too. Uh, I mean, Fulham came out, and... Uh, did battle. Arsenal didn't play their best game, but uh, got the result, and it is all that matters for that title race. Yeah, these last these last two games they've had, I I thought I saw exactly how it would go. Two defeats. They gave up six goals, uh, three to Brentford, three to Arsenal here, and uh, it was I think it's a lot to do with Paulinho being out due to cards accumulation. Uh, he got his tenth card against Palace a few games ago, and. Had to miss the last two games, and it shows how integral he is in this team. They played their new boy, Lukic, um, who they got in the winter transfer window, 26-year-old holding mid, and just bang average, if you will, maybe a little below, but uh, kind of thrown in the deep end here and couldn't get the job done. Uh, Mitrovic hasn't been on fit, full fitness since probably October. He's been having a looming ankle injury since then, including during the World Cup, and 
he's just a, a shell of himself. His mobility is incredibly low. It's worse than Balotelli's at times. Um, his work rates, rather. And Andreas Pereira's had a, a, a reasonably decent year coming back in after his exile from Man United a long term, long time there, but never really got a fair chance to get things going. Uh, he's he seems to can't he can't be the lead guy on this team to drag them out of hard times. Uh, kind of more of a supportive role. And yeah, William wasn't able to play in this game, and Mono Solomon, who the last four has scored, got another start but couldn't score in this one now. So, a bit of a reality check for them. Drops off from that high flying start they had. And the, the defense is solid. Leno obviously showing why Arsenal didn't keep him. And yeah, it's tough going forward for them. I don't know how they're going to finish the year out, but. Um, regardless, they excelled, or they should—they, I should say—they far surpassed what anybody thought they were going to do. I, I had them finishing nineteenth. I think a lot of us had them in that bottom five area, even mm-hmm. at least, or at, at the most. So, credit to them overall. But Arsenal are still probably the most enjoyable team for me personally to watch at the moment. And Saka, Saka, I really enjoy on the right. Him and Odegaard link up well. Ben White overlapping a lot is. Is good. I like that trio. Sinchenko obviously fills in that inverted fullback role perfectly. Martinelli's on fire. Trossard filling in now. Uh, and Ketty out with injury. But number one thing for Arsenal that I thought was positive was Jesus got 10 yeah. minutes here. 10, 13 minutes. Uh, and fantasy-wide did better than Mitrovic did in this game in that <laughs> short time. So uh, I'm extremely happy he's back for that, being for personal reasons. And overall, for Arsenal themselves, it's remarkable that they've kept up the form uh, they had when he before he was injured and excelled even further without him. So to have him back as another key piece in the in the system is going to just drive them even more. So uh, I'm really excited for Arsenal going forward. Yeah, quickly, sure. I mean, Bosley, how do you feel? I think Zinchenko is world class. What are your opinions on him? Uh, I heard you say you've said it before, passion merchant. Um, but no, watching Zinchenko uh, almost week in and week out, he is world class. He might he's t- up there with top of the best left backs in the in the um, left city. They treated him like a bag of rocks, and uh, yeah. Arteta was more than happy to collect them. Um, yeah. but uh, yeah, what are you what are you thinking about uh, Zinchenko? I think he's world-class. I've been told that he's a passion merchant. I think he is an extremely passionate player, but I think that's a good thing. Like, don't you want your players to be passionate? Don't you want them to play for the badge? Uh, I think he's, like, he's killer, man. you got to have players like that on your side if you want to win. Uh, and he is, I just think he's mega, man. I I really, really think he's good. So I think that was a, a killer pickup uh, in the offseason and not necessarily somebody... That I that I would have pegged as like uh you know a major point of a potential uh league winning side. I I just didn't I didn't think he'd have that sort of effect, but he really has. He's been amazing, and I think Ben White is fucking amazing too. He's really really good. He can play centrally. He can play on the flank. Um, and he's both, and he he's really good in both areas. So, uh, just really really impressed with Arsenal's defense and attack and really everything. Uh, the midfield maybe is the only thing that <laughs> some games Partey doesn't really show up, but he's he's been better this season as well. So big and, Yuri um, coming in, yeah, big Yuri coming in. Then, uh, what do you 
What do you think about um, Arteta came out and said uh, that uh, Jesus will have to fight for his uh, spot back in the team? Good. Uh, which is obviously a good thing. Um, think he's necessarily going to have to fight for that number nine spot back? I think that's cap. I think it's kind of cap as well, but no way. Like, I don't know, Matt. He's been out for a really long time, and Arsenal have been really good in that period. Like With those minutes that he got, uh, it seemed like he picked up where he left off. Um, don't you guys have the Europa game again soon? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah next week it's against... Uh, no, it's this Thursday. Oh, it's this week against uh, Sporting, yeah, right? I would think he'd get a half in there. Yeah, that's fine. I mean... And then you if, guys play Palace. If he I, if he plays and he scores and he assists, then like give him the spot back. But if he's kind of pedestrian, then I think you have to give Trossard the run in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, you have two games before an international break, so I think if he can bag a goal or so, um, I think he definitely gets the spot back. But it's tough after Trossard's had a good last few matches. Yeah, I I don't know. It that's tough because I do yeah. think Jesus has been really really good, or he yeah, was he was really good for us. Yeah. And Enketi has done a good job filling his role, even yeah. before Trissard joined. Yeah, and Ketty has sort of lost some form, then he got injured as well. So I think that's... The game's the game. The game is the game. Obviously, it's not a good thing that Enketia is hurt, but at the same time, I think I'd rather have two of them battling for the spot than three right now. Um, well, Trissard rotates with Martinelli, and you can yeah. see... You can see uh, Smith Rowe. We've seen him at times fill in for Jaka. They they can go with just the one guy, Partey, and they're deeper. So, yeah, I think that's that's the main thing Arteta's built with this team. There's a lot of fluidity, and every player can play a multitude multitude of positions. So, I think yeah. him and Edu have built uh, a bit of a monster squad going forward. And still, they're the youngest team in the league on average. And it is crazy because like, yeah, I was a huge fan of Smith Rowe. Like when he first broke into the side. He was crazy yeah. good last year. Yeah, and him and Reese Nelson can't even get more than thirty minutes a game. I know, which that. which kind of sucks. Because, well, here's the thing about Smith Rowe: like he's got Arsenal tattooed on his forehead. Like I, I just think he this is, yeah. was his boyhood club. Like I don't think and more soccer really will ever leave. Um, but I like I want to see him break back into the first team. But like I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how no you, for him. you take Odegaard's role. Like he's yeah. just. So all those players, good. all those players are having career years. Yeah, so I don't know. Next season, there will be some drop offs, I'm sure. Especially if we win, yeah, uh, you got to get that win. It, it's just you know, it's it's interesting. We have to keep our eye on it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to Newcastle two Wolves one. Newcastle scored two goals in what feels like. I don't know, maybe since December. Uh, I have no idea. Alexander Isak uh, slipped through Neves, flicked a header towards the goal. Lovely free kick um, from Trippier. It was a deep free kick and just a lovely Mm -hmm. ball in. Isak with a fantastic goal. He hasn't scored in a minute, so that was good to see. Wang Hee Chan leveled the game in the 70th minute. Uh, He came on, made a rapid impact. A lot of errors just... Not great play back there. Uh, Trippier slid in and just took the ball away from Pope, and Wangi Chan was able to just tap into an empty net. But in the 79th minute, Miguel Almiron, by way of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, finishes 2-1, takes all three 
for Newcastle, a much-needed result against a Wolves side who have been much better in weeks past. Yeah, it's uh, very, very uh, nice to see uh, Newcastle get a win here for their uh, individual top four race, um, which I do not think they'll get. Um, Alexander Isak, your uh, fellow Swede, Evan. Uh, great to see him on the score sheet. I believe his class, uh, he just has to get to that point. He's still young. Um, and Almiron, uh, great player coming out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, but, um, yeah, from this uh, Wolf side, uh, um, you're froze. What's going on? We can hear you. Um, yeah, you're good on our end. Good. Uh, yeah, no, uh, interesting uh, to see them let up a goal, but uh, when he Chan is class, he is very young. He's coming onto the spot. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, this Newcastle team is dying for some goals. They've been dying for some goals. Very, very well defensively rounded team. Um, so, yeah, it's great to see them with shots. They had 19. Uh, incredible for the squad, but um, – my my computer froze. So if uh, you want to take this one away, yeah, yeah, we can still hear you though. Um, yeah, but going back to Evan, you were talking. You're asking when the last time Newcastle scored multiple goals in a game. You have to go back to January 31st in the League Cup against Southampton. But in the league itself, you have to go back to Boxing Day. They got a uh, they had a three 0 win over Leicester. So they really struggled for goals. Um, that was after. After that match, they went on a long stretch, picking up five draws and two losses, uh, only managing two wins in that stretch of nine games. So they've really been struggling since the really since the World Cup. After the mm-hmm. World Cup, I should say. So that really did, uh, detracted from their momentum they had in this year. Um, so far, surprising a lot of us. Um, Evan, I know, had them finishing sixth. They're in prime position to hit that bang on, but still, they're they're overachieving a bit. This was a massive win. Potentially, they shouldn't have even have won after that 93rd minute uh, non-call for a pen. Yeah. Uh, you also saw in the first half, Pope had a loose touch maybe and took out Jimenez. Uh, probably should have been a penalty in my opinion. So once again, more officiating gone wrong. Uh, went in, a, in Newcastle's favor here. Obviously, they, they had the League Cup final where Pope had the incident with his hands well outside the box. So they've had a hard time in that. So they get that one going for them here with the Almiron winner. But um, yeah, it, it's massive for them. It gets a bit of confidence back in the squad, uh, giving, letting them know they still can win games. Um, every game is tough, regardless of the team, it's the Premier League. So um, getting, just seeing that W in, in the, in the result column is always great. And Joe Willock had a great game here who has a, who's had a, pretty big drop off compared to last year where he had he was just carrying them hard um but that happens you can't hold that that consistent uh, run of form all the way trippier having one of his worst games he's been the heart and soul of his team just absolute war dog for them uh that little slip clearance leading to the little tap in for huang he chan uh, a little bit of a gift for him uh and yeah i don't know wolves obviously on their end Digging a bigger hole for them. Um, played the most games uh, in that in that eight team scrap for relegation, so bit of a shit place for them. But I feel they're I feel confident that they're they're reasonable reasonably strong enough to get out of it, um, and even not get out of it that other people will just trip and fall uh, on their own shoelaces. So um, 
going both ways. It was, it's a tough pill to swallow for Wolves with the officiating, but Newcastle won't complain. Yeah. Okay. Um, let us quickly go into our uh, picks for the week, and then we'll close this late night episode out. Uh, tomorrow, we have Southampton taking on Brentford uh, at 3.30 p.m., just one of two games, the other being Brightford. Uh, or Brightford. Jesus Christ. Brighton and Crystal Palace. Um, so these. for Southampton versus Brentford, I will take Brentford in this one. I think they bounce back for a disappointing result against Everton last week. I think that they win this one. Um, are we doing just money lines and yep. draws? Yep. Or are you, you, just, you can, it's money line, either money line or a draw. Right. Um, with the dog here, I'm going Southampton. They're home. I think they're going to ride momentum off drawing United. I think their fan base is going to be behind them, uh, especially after that uh, Kyle Walker-Peters uh, racial abuse. I think uh, Southampton's going to be buzzing and uh, sneak a win out of this one. Fair enough, Matt. Uh, Southampton are the worst team at home this year. Uh, that last win they had against Leicester was very fortunate for them. They had a lot, a lot of calls going their way, and Leicester, diabolical, but... Brentford are a different animal coming off that disappointing result against Everton. I don't think they will allow another result to slip through their fingers here. So I'm going to go with Brentford too. Uh, and then Zach is taking a draw. Okay. Um, up next, we have Brighton. Alice, this is another one that's straightforward for me. I mentioned the, the potential relegation of Crystal Palace. I think Brighton get an easy here. I can see Matoma absolutely carving up. Uh, this defense, I think Brighton are due uh, for an outpouring of goals, and I think this is the game that they get it done. Sure, I agree. Um, I'm also taking Brighton on this one. Um, they should win easily. They're the better team. Um, I don't see Crystal Palace going away from home and uh, up a, a big fight. I think uh, Brighton put up two. Crystal Palace put up one. Yeah, fair enough. Zach's going to go with a draw, um, which uh, I'm more inclined to pick, but um, I think I'm just going to ride the favorite, which obviously never works out uh, every week. But, yeah, I'm going to take Brighton. Okay. Uh, up next, we have Nottingham Forest versus Newcastle. This one's tough. I'd take the under three and a half if I had a choice. But I'm, I'm going to take a draw in this one. I just think Newcastle are going to struggle to score again. Uh, two goals for them is a lot. I think Nottingham Forest get at least one. I think this one stays notched at one one. Um, I think uh, Newcastle win this one. Um, continue the run of form. Uh, I don't see uh, Nottingham Forest putting up any goals uh, at home. Uh, very individual team in my opinion. Um, so yeah, let's go with the favorites. Newcastle away. Yeah, huh? Yeah, I'm I'm with Boz there. I'm taking Newcastle and Zach is as well. But I will say playing at Forest is really tough for a lot of teams this year. So far, we've seen them pull up a lot of upsets there. Uh, Man City, uh, Chelsea, uh, I think one other team I'm forgetting. Um, but yeah, I think the the away fans, the the Newcastle fans, travel well. Yeah, they do. And I think they'll they'll even out the sound for Forest. So, but yeah, I think that gives Newcastle a bit of an edge. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Liverpool versus Fulham has been postponed. Go on to 
Brentford versus Leicester City. Short rest for Brentford. They got a Wednesday game and a Saturday game. Don't think it matters against the Leicester side, who are just absolute point in the season. I'll take the bees in a route. Um, yeah, I also take the bees in this one. Uh, like, uh, Leicester struggling, as we said earlier. Um, and I think uh, Brentford uh, bounced back from that Southampton loss and uh, a good win at home. Yeah. Zach is taking Brentford, and I think there's going to be a draw here. I think Leicester plays much better on the road. Yeah. The, the, obviously, you mentioned with Lineker, their home fans don't give a shit. So uh, I think playing away from all that drama will help. But, um, yeah, I think Brentford may trip up here. So I'll take a draw. Yeah. Southampton versus Tottenham up next. This one is another one where I can see the under being absolutely in play. Uh, but I will take Tottenham. I think Harry Kane's pleased with his performance last week, and if Harry shows up, then Spurs typically win. So I think he's got to show up in this one, and I think Spurs get the win. I also am taking Tottenham on this one. Um, I think uh, Richarlison gets another start, and I think he gets another goal. Interesting. Well, not called off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I have to go with Spurs here. They're definitely the best team when it comes to beating teams they should most of the time, and Zach is taking Spurs as well. Okay. Uh, and then we have... Oh, I lied. He's taking a draw. Sorry. Taking a draw. Okay. Aston Villa versus Bournemouth up next. Bournemouth in interesting form right now. Aston Villa uh, coming off a draw against West Ham. Villa are, of course, the resounding favorites, but I will take a draw on this one. I can see Philip Billing getting them on the board early and then just them sitting back. This one probably going to be 1-1 if I had to guess, so I'll take a draw. Um, I was also leaning draw on this one. Uh, I could see 1-1, uh, maybe Bailey sneaking out a goal. Yeah. And, uh, maybe uh, the man Solanke uh, sneaking out a goal for Bournemouth. Yeah. Okay, Matt? Damn. I was hoping I'd be the only one. I'm also taking a draw. <laughs> um, <laughs> Zach's taking Villa, but I'm happy Evan took a draw because he's got a much better record with Villa than I do. Yeah. All right. Um, always where I have to click back and forth. Uh, oh, Wolves leads. Wolves leads. Wolves leads. Yeah, that's what I should do. It's what I do for the NFL. Wolves leads is a tough one. Uh, leads coming off a two-two draw. Wolves coming off a defeat against Newcastle late. Uh, I think I'll take Wolves in this one. Something's telling me leads, but I, I'm gonna take Wolves. There's no way Bamford shows up two weeks. I am back-to-back uh, -back draws on this one. Uh, was it earlier this year they drew? Um, I don't know. It seems like Wolves and Leeds just always five hundred. Yeah, I know they play yeah, a lot too. It, and yeah, no, I I just see this one as in one one or two two. Yeah, they played each other in the League Cup in November. Wolves won one nil, and they opened up the the season in August. Leeds won two one. So it kind of goes back and forth. Well. There's a bit of there's a bit of a rivalry there. We saw last year they Leeds won in like the ninety fifth minute after being down like three nil or something. Um, I'm taking Leeds, and so is Zach and. I'm gonna bet. I'm gonna bet on a, a Nyanto goal. Okay. Um, okay. Chelsea versus Everton up next. This is El Blazerico for those that listen. Uh, I will take Chelsea, although Everton typically do get a result off 
off Chelsea. Uh, I'm going to stick with uh, the boys from the bridge. For sure. Chelsea, I see them one this winning this one comfortably uh, at the bridge. Um, I'd say 2 nothing or 3 nothing. Chelsea. That would be incredible if we got back-to-back uh, multiple goal games at home. I'm really nervous about this game. Uh, this is the game that if we can get a clean sheet and maybe a 2-0 win, that's a signature Chelsea win, a result 2-0, I would be more inclined to step more back or further back in the Grand Potter corner. Um, so this is a make-or-break week for me with him. Um, and big on the fullbacks here. I think Reese James having rest after the last game and now a full week of preparation for this game, it's going to be big for us here. And I'm really worried about Sean Dice headbutting me right in the mouth. But yeah, I'm taking Chelsea and Zach's taking a draw. Okay. Then our final game of the week because City, West Ham, and Brighton United have both been postponed. Arsenal versus Crystal Palace. I will ride with my boys. I, I think this is absolute fucking master class they're they're in the home stretch they're trying to win the league let's lock in let's do it at palace send them down the respectful way um on this one my head uh says arsenal my gut tells me draw but i am gonna go arsenal um because going with your gut is not always the right decision um like you said evan i don't see them slipping up this title race and uh yeah i see them winning this one uh Possibly two nothing, two one. Yeah. Yeah, Zach and I are taking Arsenal. I think Vieira is going to roll out the red carpet and allow Arsenal to just take the three points off him and go. And honestly, with this result, it might put Palace in the bottom three. Yeah, that would be. I would respect him even more for that. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. All right. Well, that is everything here from Post 20 Boz. Again, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you had a uh, a tremendous uh, first experience, first show with us. For sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, hopefully this uh, isn't the last time. Yeah, no, of course. Feel free. Whenever you'd like, uh, we're here to, to welcome you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Watch those spaces. Matt and I are going to crank things up, um, you know, in an effort to, to gain a little bit more uh, traction, make some more content for those of you uh, that listen faithfully. We, we appreciate it. Uh, you can also find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Pause. Thanks again. Guys. We'll see you all next week.